welcome to the Pages of Light podcast, your destination for discussions of popular fantasy and science fiction novels from a Christian worldview. My name is Tyler, and with me, as always, is Gabriel, aka the Quarantine Quartermaster. Welcome back to the podcast, Gabe. How you doing? Oh, doing, doing interesting today. It was an interesting day at school, so I hope I'm here and present for the podcast. <laughs> That's good. I'm sure. We'll- if God shows up, we'll show up. So there we go. That's right. All right. Very good. So today we're going to be continuing our discussion of the Wheel of Time, book three, The Dragon Reborn. So we'll be uh, at the end of last episode, we stopped at around chapter 32, which is when a lot of the characters had started to make their journey toward Tyr, uh, from wherever other location they were uh, in the world. And so that is where we left our heroes, and we will be continuing in their story until the end of the book. And yeah, looking forward to it. Uh, as always, you can follow Pages of Light on social media, and you can check out our website, pagesoflight.com, for all the stuff happening with Pages of Light. So, all right. How are you feeling with the uh, second half of the book? Uh, that was pretty yeah, good. Yeah, I think, uh, yeah. Um, it's... It's definitely um, interesting following the different pathways to get to Tyr. And everyone's got their own unique journey. And uh, I think I really came to like Perrin Ibarra as a person. Um, Just just he's he's standing up for what's right and he's um, very steadfast. And then Matt's revealing more of his uh, gambler nature as the uh, book unfolds. So... Um, we're getting more into his storyline. So yeah, it's good to kind of see these characters unfold. And that's why we're not seeing Rand as much as we are building yeah. out the world through through the other characters. Um, yep. And we do like get these snippets of Rand, but he's like kind of going yeah. crazy. <laughs> yeah. As the Dragon Reborn is said to do. So Destined that to is be. within his character. Mm-hmm. All right, before we jump into the story discussion... Uh, I don't think last week we actually did a favorite quote, so we're going we're gonna to bring that back this week. Um, so I have a quote. It's not really uh, very profound at all, but I just thought it was funny. Uh, so my quote is from Matt, and uh, I think this is when he's in Camelin, and they're at some kind of inn or something, and he sees Loyal, or not Loyal. I don't remember. Oh, he's, he's remembering Loyal told him something about books, and he says... He never did seem to get around to reading the books he meant to read. And I just thought that's like basically my life. I never, there's so many books to read and I'm never going to get to all of the ones that I want to read. So uh, <laughs> that just made me think of my own life as a uh, manager remembering that. So I just thought yeah, it was funny. I think we all, I think we can all identify with that. Like there's always something that you meant to do and then just never did it. Um, yeah. Matt's always seeming like he's pursuing the more, um, hedonistic things in life he's just like i'll do what makes me feel good like yep. like causing chaos in my little two rivers town <laughs> instead yep. of reading books yeah um, although matt is interesting because as we'll see in this section of the book he does stuff like he'll say stuff to himself like i think this way but then he'll act a completely different way so matt's he's a, he's interesting like that Mm, I'm going to have to hear your observation on that. That'll be good. Yeah. So, 
All right, that's my quote. Did you have anything? I had a quote. I don't have it verbatim. Um, Perrin goes into a town, and he starts the question with why. I think he's asking about, I don't remember exactly, but I think he's asking about why is the Aielman in a cage, or why is there a man in the cage? Sure. And he starts out with the question, why? And then he changes it. He stops, he, he says the word why, and then he says... How something like how has a man like been trapped in the cage? So he changes his direction mid flow, um, and I think I talked about Chris Voss's book um, Never uh, Never Split the Difference last week, and that is one yep. of the tactics that he uses in the book. Um, so this was a very interesting observation that he made. He said that the word why, when, when directed at a person triggers defensiveness why did you do that yeah like what what made you do or like you know why did you break the thing and it automatically triggers defensiveness in a person and he instructs the reader to use how questions because um he wants you to ask open-ended questions because it leads to revealing more information and it also takes the antagonism out of like the questioning um and so that was the quote that like spoke to me and i know i didn't get it right um so if you find the quote tell us in the comments what it actually was supposed to be um so we can revisit that um but yeah so i i just like that um and and I, i just like try to use that because i know i know for me that if someone's like why did you do this i do feel that instinctual like defensiveness Mm-hmm. Like you have to defend like the, your reasoning and stuff. So yep. I, I keep that in mind. And then like when I talk to people, I try and not use the why kind of accusation towards them. So yeah. um, that was the quote that spoke to me this week. Cool. Very good. Good to have the favorite quote back in the podcast. We were a little rusty last time. That's it's right. Okay. It's been a few months. <laughs> Listen to the other yeah. podcasts where we talk about what we were doing for seven months or whatever. all right all right so let's jump into book discussion so starting off with uh chapter 33 is where we pick up from last podcast and this is where uh our characters so we have basically we have uh three groups of people that we're following we have perrin uh lan moraine and loyal and they are basically following Rand and they're tracking him to Tyr. And so they're kind of following in his path. And then we have the two, well, three girls. We have Egwene, Elaine, and Nynaeve. And they are tracking the Black Aja uh, based on a, uh, I guess, an order or a, a charge. I don't know what you would call it from the, the Amarlin Seed. Amarlin Seed, yep. Yeah, so she wants them to hunt down the black Aja because she thinks that they're the only people she can trust. And so they are making their way to tier as well because they are uh, tracking the black Aja and that's where the black Aja went. I'm can't, I can't remember specifically why they knew that they were going to tier. I think it was, it had it have something to do with the Teleran Riyadh where they saw something in a dream. Um, I feel like it was, there was some information. Yeah. 
I can't remember if Egwene revealed that from like her trip to Tel Iren Riyadh. Um, yeah, they they figured it out, and they they know yeah. that they're going to Tyr, and that they are trying to um, set a trap for someone. The Black Aja um, so, setting a trap. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that's what they know. So they're kind of like on their heels, yes. um, trying to get there as quickly as possible. Yeah. And then our last group we have is uh, Matt and Tom. And so Matt and Tom are... So Matt is initially going to Camelon because Elaine gives him a letter to give to her mother, uh, who is the queen who lives in Camelon. And so Matt is going there. And then after they get to Camelon, um, I can't remember specifically why he remembers that, or he, he feels compelled to go to Tyr. Um, I know she thinks, oh, I, I know she thinks that Egwene is in danger or something like that. And he has to go and save her. Um, yeah. He hears so something it, about the black Aja or something like that. Yeah, so um, he and Tom get on the first boat that they see, and then they right. like pay lots of money to go as fast as they can to Camelin. And so he has to drop the letter off, and he breaks into the palace the same way that Rand did over this yep. wall, which was kind of funny. That they call back. Like, to oh, we really one. need to. Yeah, we really need to fix this wall. Uh, yeah, I love that quote. <laughs> And so his luck comes into play because we know Matt is now lucky and he overhears a conversation uh, between uh, right. like a, a lord and uh, his servant and he um, and he tells him basically that he wants um, Elaine killed and then the two others that uh, kind of as an afterthought he's like you have to have them killed and you know who that is? It's Gabriel Morghese's like hot stuff new man who just came out and was like i'm gonna help run the army and take back the the things for you more gays yeah and um and there's something fishy about this gabriel guy because not only is he my namesake but when he arrives on the scene everyone starts having bad dreams and we know where else there's there's bad dreams in the future in this book and they're in tear so yeah. i found that interesting um, so Rand, or, um, Matt overhears the conversation he's going to tell more gays and then he recognizes Gabriel when he comes up there and stands next to more gays and she's like in love with him and she's like kind of he has her eating out of his palm so to speak and so Matt's like I'm not going to tell her that the person that she's like infatuated with is trying to kill her daughter and he's like I have to go to Tyr and and save these these blasted women I think it's kind of how he's thinking about it um, yeah. and that's why he um, I think the, the guy's name is Komar um, and that's why he's on a path to to Tyr after Camelon awesome yeah so eventually at one through various scenarios and situations, all of our characters are converging on tier. And so that's essentially what happens in the second half of the book here is all of our characters make their way to tier by the end for the, the final climactic scene with Rand, uh, and the sword of Kalandor, Kalandor, Kalandor. How Calendor. did the audio, how did the audiobook people say it? Cause they're always right. Yeah. Yeah. Kalandor. Kalandor. 
All right. I'll probably mispronounce that throughout the whole podcast. But it's so hard when you like when you read a book and yes. even like when I read books, like I delegate that as like the O name. Like if I can't like <laughs> yeah. pronounce the whole thing, I'm like, oh, that's the O name. Okay. Yeah, so you, I like kind of you just shorten it in your head or something. Yeah, mentally just like I've given up on trying to actually pronounce it and I just like <laughs> run with it so it's hard to undo those neurological pathways you've like yeah. <laughs> reinforced for after like months of reading <laughs> at least in this book if you have the physical paperback there is at the back like a glossary with all like a b- oh. bunch of with a bunch of key terms and stuff so oh, a lot cool. of them like the big names and stuff that'll have like the phonetic spelling of it so you can kind of understand how to pronounce it correctly um, oh, but not that. everything cool. is in there. So some things are still, you just have to guess or think mm-hmm. how best you think it would, uh, would sound. Mm-hmm. Anyways, digression on epic fantasy name pronunciations. <laughs> um, all right. So, uh, yeah, so we're starting out with Perrin, Land, Moraine, and Loyal, and they arrive in this town called uh, Remen. And this is where you mentioned in your quote, they spot that Aiel who is in the cage, uh, which I guess is also a reference to Min's vision uh, that she told Perrin before they had uh, been separated. And Min, I think Min goes back to the White Tower, if I'm not mistaken, um, after they get uh, after they go off to find Rand. And then also in this chapter, we have Perrin noticing a girl. Again, another name. I was always pronouncing this one. Faili? That's probably wrong. Fail. Fail. <laughs> yeah. er, am I? Oh, no, now I'm like worried that I'm mixing up Aiel and Fail. Er, Fail. I think it's Fail. Fail? That sounds yeah. better than Faili. Yeah, Fail. I like when we get Let's her real name. Right now. I like when we get her real name, which is Zareen. And yep, so I Zareen. just remember her as Zareen because I can't pronounce the other word, even though she likes to be called by the Fail, which means Falcon. Is that what it means? Pretty sure. Um, I. Yeah, I can't remember if it. Uh, I can't. I know that her original name means something like a great beauty. And oh, Zarina. Yeah. Yeah. And as like a fighter, she doesn't like that name. So she has taken right. up her own mantle as Fail. Yeah. Uh, and so she is like, uh, I think she's what's called a hunter because she is hunting for the Horn of Valier. And mm-hmm. so she sees this group of interesting looking people come into the town and she's like, you guys might be, uh, have something going on. I might want to follow you around. And so. She kind of gets added to their, to their party, uh, because she mm-hmm. thinks they might lead her to the horn, which they won't. But at least not in this book. But she's in for she's certainly in for an interesting turn of events, uh, because she decides to follow them. Yep, and this is also part of Min's prediction that um, yes, parent, but parent has two people on his shoulders i think i think it was like a falcon and maybe like a hawk so yes. we are interested or you know this she becomes the falcon yep um so men knew that whoever this falcon person was was going to stay with Perrin, um and 
their dynamic is interesting. It's he's like yep. he doesn't want her there, yep. and she is like one hundred percent determined to follow, no matter yep. what anyone says, no matter what yeah. Perrin, Moraine, or Lan says. She's determined to follow. Um, and then Moraine says to Perrin, she's like, "Well, you're responsible for her," and Perrin's like, <laughs> "What me?" <laughs> yeah. why me <laughs> I think it's in a later chapter too like Moraine like some revelation happens and Moraine is like hey this is your last chance if you're gonna stay with us like there's no turning back at this point and she's like alright I'm in I'm in the I'm in the party for good yep. or for mm-hmm. for good or ill <laughs> yep so it shows her and it's right before the big reveal yeah cause Lan Lan like she gets several outs Lan is like you don't have to be here and I'll take your oath. If you swear not to say anything, you can leave now if you want. And she's like, yep. Nope. She continually makes the the choice to be with the group, even though they're all like, get out of here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I mean, that got, that means men's visions are correct. So mm-hmm. even though she could have left, she decides to stay and that makes her, her visions completely true. Um, I had one thing in this chapter uh, that I wanted to chat about. I have a quote that I put in here. It's on, if you have the paperback, it's on page 331. And this is just like an excerpt from the quote. And it's Perrin talking to uh, Moiraine about uh, the pattern, essentially. And he says, that's evil, Moraine. I can't believe that Rand is evil because he's basically what's happening is they're uh, following Rand. And because Rand is Tavaren and the Dragon Reborn, he shapes the pattern like around himself. And so wherever he goes, like crazy things happen. Like in the first town, there was a ton of weddings Um, Mm -hmm. in Remen. I can't remember the specific thing that happens but it was not good because uh, this is why Perrin is talking about why he can't believe that Rand is evil because the pattern was shaping around him and something bad happened in this town. Um, I think it was like the Aiel, did the Aiel attack or something like that? And that's why that's like captured that Aiel guy. I think it was, I can't remember. Yeah. I think it was something else though. That was, there's like this, I'm calling him like a false nobleman. He was like, oh, I, I got 20 Aiel. I killed yes. a bunch of them and they hide their numbers. And then he was like, the fish was Perrin this goes, big. Yeah. And Perrin goes up to the guy in the cage. Um, what's his name? Um, starts with a G and he lets him out. And he's like, it was me and one other Aiel <laughs> against like 10 of them. And they're like, and they're like, we were off our game, basically. Yep. <laughs> they shouldn't have been able to like take us out. Yeah. Um, um, but yeah, I thought that was an interesting quote because I was just thinking about um, you can kind of see the pattern in the wheel of time similar to like the will of God and how um, like the pattern is like the outworking of like a higher power's will in the in the world and so uh i just thought that was interesting because you know people have different opinions on the will of god and you know how you have people who are like why would god let x thing happen you know bad things happen to good people and you know that's just part of you know the will of god and he uses all things for the good 
of his own purposes and it might not seem like it's good for us and things might seem evil, but that's just the, that's just God's will. And we have to, uh, you know, kind of learn to accept that even though we might not understand, uh, the full, uh, picture of what's happening. And I feel like the pattern is kind of similar in that respect where like you see things, the pattern may be doing things in certain people's lives or in different areas and you don't understand why this would happen. Um, but yeah, I just thought it was interesting kind of a, out of a parallel. It's not like a direct comparison, but, um, yeah. I don't know if you have any thoughts on that. Or yeah, not, I, yeah, I did. I was just trying to look up something, um, really quickly because you talked about the will of God and yeah, that is like one of the main arguments of, of, from Christianity, like, you know, why do bad things happen to good people? And I think yeah. the response to that is, um, bad things happen to good people because they're surrounded by people. Um, yes. we are all sinners and like been there, like on top of us being all sinners, like everyone will let you down. Yeah. Every single person. There is only one entity in the universe that will not let you down. And that is God. Every other person that you've ever met or will meet, they will let you down at some point. I mean, if you have an ongoing relationship with them, if you just bump yeah. into it one time, they don't have a chance to let you down. But if you have an ongoing relationship with someone, they will let you down. Um, so that's so that's one thing is that we are surrounded by people and then there's also evil people who do evil things you know um and that's their choice and you know my hope is to be as far away from those people as possible and like kind of you know and i feel bad for little kids who like live in bad neighborhoods and who have no choice of like being near drugs and guns and other implements of chaos they have no choice yep um and we live in a fallen world <laughs> yeah. and um, and then you also need to avoid prosperity gospel like if you listen to God and do things to God like your life will be amazing and great like it yep. says there will be hardship it's yep. not if there's hardship it says when there is hardship and I think that's when your true faith comes into play like do you yep. dig into God or do you say God why did you get all angry at him and like you know mm-hmm. um and I've, <laughs> I've lost my job and I've been out afloat and God has always seen fit to, to draw me back. And, um, yeah, so I, I, I'm learning to trust him more and more. I even, I have those times where I'm just like not feeling it, not understanding what God wants in my life, but it's coming together for yeah. me. So, um, yeah. so yeah, I think we need to avoid that. And then one more idea you were talking about the four, uh, the will of God. So there's actually a book called The Four Wills of God by Emerson Egritz, I think. Eger, um, and I read it. Again, it was one of those like quick reads where I listened to it. Um, and basically, like there are many things within the will of God. And I was trying to find a quick list on what the four are. Um, but you can do the will of God if you're fulfilling these four things. Um, the four wills of God. I, yeah, the four wills of God. Um, like, does it have biblical backing? 
what are the four wills of God? It says, believe in Jesus, abstain from sexual sin, give thanks in everything, and submit in doing right. Does that sound familiar? That sounds familiar, yep. Um, so if you are... Like the the story in that book was something like his daughter was going to college and she was trying to decide what God wanted in her life and he was saying that like if you're submitting to God if you're doing these things I think yeah. this is from it there was definitely a college involved but like yeah. if you go to this one you can be doing the will of God and if you're going to this one you can be doing the will of God as long as you are fulfilling these four wills so as long as you're like looking to God and like following the those rules you can act within the will of God in several ways and that's because we're all one big like all Christians are part of the quote-unquote God machine like we're like his hands and feet we move things and if you yeah. move into a, a new space you bring the light of God you give to people you you know sacrifice things of yourself to make that situation mm -hmm. better that's what God calls us to do um, and that's why you can fulfill the will of God no matter where you are. Like, you know, I'm a teacher um, and mm -hmm. I try to fulfill it by being patient with my students and like yeah. um, putting a lot into my job and, and inspiring like kids. And I don't have as, nearly as much sway as like someone in like the business hierarchy who like connects with Fortune 500 companies and like knows all these CEOs and stuff. But even any position you can you can work in the will of god and yep. just where you're called to do that yeah sorry went off on a rant there <laughs> no that's okay yeah i just thought it was an interesting potential parallel there because it's not that uh like god uses people to like enact his his will in the world and people are inherently mm -hmm. sinful sure. so people may like be doing the will of god in an imperfect way, if that makes sense. Um, yep. so you, you won't always like, obviously if, if God wants you, like if God has you in a certain place to do something, you're not going to do it perfectly and you're going to mess up and you're going to hurt people along the way. Um, but God can still use you to accomplish his purposes, even though, uh, you're an imperfect person. Um, so just, that's an encouragement. Like you're not going to always, uh, do things the way God would want you to do them, but that's okay. He's still going to be able to use you and you just have to be willing so, to be used and not like completely reject what God wants you or yeah, what God wants you to be doing. So, so if you missed it guys, Varum told you you're going to mess up. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. You and just have to okay. be okay with it. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, but I like what you said that, um, it's about listening to God. And then like sometimes those near misses, like, oh, like one time I like sometimes when I drive past homeless people, I'm like, man, I wish I had like 10 bucks to like give this guy. Yeah. Um, and so like in, in weeks, like I do this regularly, like um, maybe once or um, like once a month or once every other month, I'll go to the ATM and take out like. 50 or 100 bucks and just have it in 10s or 20s because I see like four homeless people a day on my drive like two like two in the morning two in the afternoon yeah. and I like to have just some money to to give them and I know like I have a few that I see regularly and I and 
you know, I try and have a little conversation. Like, I'm driving by them in a car. If I hit a stoplight, I can talk to them. But, yeah. um, you know, I'm in James right now, and it talks about, like, if a person, like, looks all, like, um, like dressed up, and they come to church, and you're like, oh, sit in the front row, and then, like, a homeless person comes in, and they're and you're like, oh, sit back here. We don't want you, like, intermingling yeah. with our with yeah. our church family. Yeah. It's like, are you really trusting in God? Um, yeah. And like what you do to the least is what you do to God. So I'm always trying to see the need and, and provide for them because like, I only see four homeless people a day. Like some people go and they do like soup kitchens and stuff. And, but I like, I like pouring into the same people. It's, I think, like several of them I've like given money to and then I don't see them anymore and I just kind of hope and pray that they're out there like yeah. now they might have a job or something I gave this one guy a really nice backpack he was very thankful yeah that's very that has a lot of utility yeah especially for a homeless person where all their belongings go inside of it yeah he's, he's like don't buy a new one if you if you have one laying around do it so I gave it to him and then I and then I bought a, a nice backpack that I really like. <laughs> so, so it worked out for everybody. <laughs> yeah, it's good you were able to give something to somebody else. Yeah. Uh, all right, let's move on in our story or we will be here all night since we basically just talked about the first chapter. So <laughs> here we're the we best. Go. Um, <laughs> yeah, so basically uh, this the next sections we have Perrin, uh, the, the guy in the the IEO in the cage, his name is Gaul, G-A-U-L. So you are correct saying it is a G name. So he goes and he frees uh, Gaul and there's a bunch of white cloaks that show up and then they just basically kill them all. <laughs> and yep. uh, I don't, I guess it's, is it because uh, Perrin has the wolf, the wolf blood that he's such a good warrior? Cause I don't know if it's like really been established that he's like that great of a swordsman, unless he's in, he's been training with Lan a lot since he's been with him. Um, I don't know. Sometimes yeah, I just feel he, like it's, is it completely justified that these kids from the two rivers are like killing trained white cloak soldiers? <laughs> I don't know how realistic yeah. that is, but I guess I just chalk it up to like, he's Tavern and he's got the wolf, the wolf blood and he's special or whatever. So, yeah, I think that is it. I think he's slowly like changing into, you know, whoever he's meant to be in the wheel of time, sure. because like at the end of that section, he was like, uh, looking at his room that he rented and he was like, there was not even a trace that he had been there. He was like, there was no water in this, in the bucket over there that not a yeah. sheet was out of place. And he was just saying as of late, like I seem to be not leaving a mark, which is kind of like, I feel like yeah. the way of the wolf, the way of stealthiness. Um, sure. And so yeah. I just feel like he's like, I think it is the wolf blood. And I think he is, he's got like these preternatural powers, I guess. Um, and, and he's Maybe he has like with his ax <laughs> and enhanced wolf reflexes or, you know, whatever. But yep. anyways, that's, and that was cool. Um, and then, so basically the, he kills all the white cloaks and uh, basically they just have to run because they think the townspeople are going to get all mad and then there's going to be more white cloaks to come. Um, Cause I think one of them, did one of them get away? Uh, maybe not. I can't remember. Um, but anyways, they and have I think to he leave. Was paranoid because 
Fayil was watching him, although he oh, didn't know that's it was right. Fayil. That's right. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah, but she she joins them, and I think it's funny. There's a few times in this uh, half of the book where they get somewhere and they're like, "Oh, we're finally gonna get to rest and chill," and then they're like, "Nope, we gotta go." And then I always feel like <laughs> they have to come in on Loyal, and Loyal is just like sitting there writing in his notebook, and he's like, "We gotta go," yeah. and he's like, "You guys are." you humans are always so hasty, you know, I feel, yeah. I feel like loyal is like tree board tree beard from Lord of the Rings. He's like, don't be yeah. hasty. Uh, yeah. But they're always making loyal stop his writing and come off on all of their adventures. And loyal is yeah, just along for the ride because he's trying to document all the stuff from a historical perspective. I think his words are, his first words are, but we just got here. <laughs> That's right. Uh, I just thought that was funny. Loyal is like some comic relief a little bit in this story whenever there's like insane stuff happening. Yeah. Um, uh, yes. So we continue on with uh, Perrin. He, uh, in the next chapter, so basically they leave Remen and uh, this is when Fail, Fail, how do you say it? Yeah, Fail. Zareen. This is when Zareen joins them. Uh, there you go. And uh, Perrin has some more wolf dreams, and this is where I think he meets he meets Rand in one of his dreams, and Rand attacks him, uh, and so Perrin has to like escape the dream. Um, That's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So there's just more dream stuff. We talked a lot about the dream type things in the last podcast. If you want to go back and listen to that. Um, but I'm sure we'll talk about more dream stuff uh, in this episode as well, because there's just a lot of dream stuff because we have Perrin with his wolf dreams. And then we have Egwene using her uh, angry all to be like a dream walker so she can. It's like a it's like almost like a dream dimension. It's like an alternate kind of meeting place where people can interact with each other. So super interesting. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that. um I think the wolf dream is tell Iran Riyadh. Um, yeah. Seems that way. Yeah. Yeah. Cause it's like the Her same, it's essentially the same house. power and he has Hopper as like a God in this dreamland. Uh, the wolf yeah. that died in the, was it the last book? I think. I think it was the first book where was it the first and, book? Um, I think him and Egwene get taken after they're or right before they're with the tinkerers. Yeah. They um, get captured by the white cloaks. Mm-hmm. And I think that's like when Perrin gets taken is when Hopper dies. Mm. And I think that's the first book. Yeah. But I could be wrong. No, yeah, I think you're right. I think that is the first book. Because that's when he goes into that first, that's the first time he goes into that wolf rage and he kills the two white cloaks. And that's why they mm-hmm. capture him. Um, As they would say in uh, Supernatural, he wolfed out. <laughs> he wolfed out. <laughs> Supernatural. <laughs> that. How many seasons of that is there? There's like 15 seasons or something insane. Yep. It's epic. I see it on I Netflix. I dropped off around I dropped off around season 10. Season um, 10. But I I enjoyed it, yeah. I've seen yeah, the first episode, I think. Where they have that that woman on the bridge. Not if you probably don't remember it yep. because it's the f- Oh, I remember it. And also in the first episode, they have it was in Stranger Things in like season oh. four, like like the person like up on the ceiling. Up and on the ceiling, like, yeah. 
That that happened in the first season or the first episode of Supernatural, and it was like the ah, season right. opener for season four of right. um, yes. Stranger Things. Yes, and I was like, "This is creepy," but um, I've definitely seen this before in Supernatural. <laughs> season four of Stranger Things is legit, though. If you haven't seen it, oh yeah, you know what? We haven't finished it. We watched because they did that double release of the ending because oh, right. yes, it was like super epic, long, like a motion picture release for the yeah. last two episodes. So I think we haven't watched the last one yet. It just kind of got, I won't spoil <laughs> the ending then, Busy. but season four is definitely the best season of the show. I would, I would say. Yeah. It all speaks to me. I like all yeah. seasons in their own way, but it's good. Um, there was one, but thing we digress. That, yeah, we digress. Sorry for, short uh horror tv show side quest thing whatever you want to call it yes <laughs> um but in in this chapter so in parents wolf dream um he sees uh lanfear talking to baelzaman and lanfear is basically like not doing what baelzaman wants her to do essentially um, and I think part of this, uh, there was a quote that I wrote down. It just says to fail. The great Lord of the dark cannot be forgiven. And I just thought that was interesting because we have a contrast between, uh, like I was thinking like a contrast between the dark one in this book, where if you, uh, fail the dark one, you cannot get forgiveness. But in Christianity, you know, it's expect like that's part of the the whole narrative of Christianity is that you will fail and you are not enough, but that Jesus was enough for you. And so you can receive forgiveness. And that's a lot of the point of Christianity is through the blood of Christ, you can be forgiven from your sins. And I thought that was interesting contrast of like the the inability to be forgiven by the dark one and, you know the imperative to be forgiven in Christianity. So I don't know. That was just an interesting parallel that, that I saw there. Yeah, no, that's an astute observation. Um, and I think it says in the Bible that we must forgive others or we will not be forgiven. Right. Um, yeah. And, you know, I think of the like blister analogy when it comes to forgiveness, like you have all this stuff bottled up inside and like, the only person you're hurting is yourself because you haven't like taken the opportunity to forgive someone. When you forgive someone, it actually helps you. Um, and like, yep. if you have all this stuff festering inside of you, like people who hold grudges and stuff, like it's supposed like if you pop the blister and all the stuff comes out, all the ooze and all the pus, like it gets it out of you. And you cannot do that if you don't forgive, because otherwise it'll just stay yep. inside of you and mount up and um yeah and i and i worry about that because like i haven't had the easiest path i've been you know kicked out of groups and like i look back at that and I'm like why did you kick me out of this group and like i have trouble like even like five years later like yeah. looking at these people that i see um and i'm like you didn't have to kick us out of the group and it was very embarrassing and yeah and i worry that i haven't forgiven them enough mm -hmm. and i'm not going to be forgiven so like i i pray on it sometimes i get like really good about it and i'll pray on it like that was when it first happened i was working on it and mm -hmm. i wonder 
if in my heart I've forgiven them because sometimes I see them and I'm like, ugh. <laughs> yeah, I mean, forgiveness is something I think a lot of us struggle with, especially if it's like something, you know, really personal or um, like a deep relationship that was harmed or something like that. It's just hard to, you know, forgive the person if, if you feel like justice wasn't like achieved, I guess. Um, so yeah, it's just, or a miscarriage. I felt like it was a miscarriage of justice for us. Um, sure. It's just like, uh, yeah. Felt but, let down. I mean, <laughs> yeah. I mean, we don't, yeah. I mean, God doesn't have to forgive us, but it's he, he, he wants to forgive us out of his love for us. So because of that, we should be the ones who are forgiving because what is it? Uh, we love because he first loved us. I think that passage, wherever that is, I can't remember, but uh, love has a lot to do with forgiveness. It's like in order to love someone, like you have to be willing to forgive them or like you, I don't think you can have like true love without some level of forgiveness because you're that person's always going to mess up and they're going to need your forgiveness. And if you can't forgive them, then <laughs> you're like the relationship is just going to be completely severed. So. And we wonder why there's so many marriages that end in divorce because <laughs> people can't forgive and yeah. they want their own way. Yeah. That happens. All too often, it does happen. All right. Uh, so let's jump on to the next section. So I think we jump over here to the Egwene, Elaine, Nynaeve sections. Um, and so they're basically... Uh, they get on a boat, if I'm not mistaken, from the White Tower, and they're basically uh -huh. just sailing down. Uh, if you look at a map, you can see the rivers that go down from uh, Tarvalon down to uh, down to Tyr. And maybe if I'm being fancy, I'll put up a map on on the video version. <laughs> if you have if you haven't seen a map of the the Wheel of Time, you know I thought it was interesting actually as a very I don't know a very short side quest. Um, that the the map I haven't been able to find like the name of the continent that the world is on. All the maps just say like the Wheel of Time, like and there's no like in the Stormlight Archive from Brandon Sanderson, the continent is called Roshar, and within Roshar you have all the different places and cities and such. Um, but I don't know what the actual world is called in the Wheel of Time. Uh, it's just called mm -hmm. the Wheel of Time map. So just thought was in, that thought that was interesting <laughs> if he maybe he maybe there isn't there maybe there isn't a name yeah maybe, maybe there is just like maybe there's just localities and there isn't like a name for like the whole place yeah if i'm sure if, if i'm wrong you can leave a comment and tell me what the actual name of the of the world is because i would yeah, love cause to know. like in lord of the rings it's like yeah it's middle, middle earth, earth for... yeah right um Actually, Middle Earth technically is a certain part of the world, if you want to be very technical about it. And there's other parts oh, of the world. Oh, be technical. Okay. Be okay. technical. Let's Tyler. be specific here. If you yeah. actually, you can't see in the video, but if you look on the top of this bookshelf, I have like a, I call it my Tolkien shrine because <laughs> it sounds like so uh, worshipful, but <laughs> this is what it is essentially. So I have like these like special, uh, uh, bookends that 
uh, my wife got me one year for my birthday, I think it was. And they're just like, if you remember the shot in Lord of the Rings with all with the fellowship, like walking and it's just like their silhouettes on like a bookend. But I have all my Lord of the Rings books up there. And one of them is the Atlas of Middle Earth. And so it has all the maps from the different oh, okay. ages and all that kind of stuff. Um, I'm not I haven't really looked at it recently, but I used to be like really into all of the Lord of the Rings uh stuff and uh reading the books i need to read like the silmarillion and uh, i've read some of the other ones like the unfinished tales and some of the great tales like the children of horn is really good actually it's a first age tale um but i need to get back in because uh i'm watching rings of power the amazon show i don't know if you've seen it or not uh, uh my wife has watched it i have not she said she really enjoyed it oh she did enjoy it uh yeah well, that's good for her. I really don't like it that much. So, <laughs> um, but yeah, I'm glad that she can enjoy it. Um, I will say one cool thing about it is just seeing like the landscape shots and just the different places depicted, especially seeing how things end up in later on in the series, like with the, with the Lord of the Rings trilogy. So seeing how things were before, uh, all of those events took place, uh, that's been really uh, fun to see. So that's one plus for the show I'll say. And the music's pretty good too. Um, okay, sorry. That was a longer side quest than I uh, intended, but that's Listen, okay. We're, we're all about some side quests right now. And that's I'll right. just say that my love of Lord of the Rings was, I think in middle school, my parents got me an encyclopedia. So it had mm-hmm. like smog and like the yep. Balrog and like all these yep. different like creatures and monsters. And like, yeah. I just remember having that book and like the artwork yeah. was like fantastic. Yeah. Like mid 90s artwork. It was like yeah. real good. Yeah. My entry was the Peter Jackson trilogy. So like once I saw that, I was just in whole hog. I was just all in it. So, uh, yeah, Lord, Lord of the Rings nerds sound off in the comments. Let it, let us know how much you love Lord of the Rings. <laughs> okay. Um, so they're going, uh, down to tier through with a boat and, um, I don't feel like a, a ton of stuff happens with the uh, Egwene kind of storyline. The one big thing that happens is they meet uh, some of the Aiel. There's a character named uh, Avienda that shows up because um, mm-hmm. they like get off the boat for a little bit, I think. Um, and they meet like this group of Aiel and there's one guy who's wounded and Nynaeve is able to heal him uh, through her special... Um, like power. I can only get angry yeah. and heal people sort of power yep I can't remember what she was angry about to do the healing this time um, but anyways they she heals she heals them or that guy and then I think in the next the next time they see him he's actually he actually dies so I can't remember. Yeah, that's think, uh, yeah. Think, they're like captured. Um, yeah, and then they're about to be sold, and they're like, "Oh, who's ever like?" And then they gave them like a drug to put them to sleep, but it actually ended up like taking away their headaches, and they woke up, and then they're gonna come out guns blazing, uh, and then they're they're about to be sold, and they're being ser- sold to Murdral, and the Murdral are like, "These are the ones we seek." And there's yep. like three of them. And, and then the Aiel come in and they dance the spears and then they have the merger all surrounded. And then boom, bale fire right at the merger all. 
cinders turns them to ash. Yeah. Um, and I think, sweet. yeah, and they're like, we could have danced the spears, but we would have. There were like five of them and three merge draw, and so the Aiel yeah. were saying that they would have taken heavy losses, but they would have won. Yeah. Uh, in those odds, which shows you how powerful they are, because a merge draw can kill like a lot of people. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, in the um, TV, in the TV show, there's that one scene, that opening scene where they with the uh, Rand's mother fighting off all the in that war zone in the wind. Oh yeah, and that, that was an epic scene because that was your that was like our first introduction to the Aiel in the show. Um, that scene was pretty pretty epic. I yeah yeah that's like one scene that sticks out to me from like watching it last year. It's just like that that white background and her just running and then like halfway yeah. through the scene you're like. She's pregnant, <laughs> and she's still <laughs> laying waste, whomping on some people. guys. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <clears throat> so yeah, all that to say is the Aiel are pretty sweet, and we get to see them a little bit later with uh, Matt, uh, right towards mm-hmm. the end of the of the book. But we will get there in due time. I think we got to pick up the pace here. We're gonna be here for hours. Listen, let's just do it all night. Okay. I'll have to get up at 5.30 I mean, in the morning. I mean, we could, we could go all night, but that doesn't mean the people listening will listen to us all night. They might. We don't know their life. That's true. We, we don't know your life. Have you, have you ever you heard out. of uh, Have you ever heard of the content creator? His name's Mahler, M-A-U-L-A-R, something like that. He does like, uh-huh. he does like critiques of film and stuff like that. And... Uh, he has a podcast it's called every frame a pause and they do like these mm-hmm. anniversary streams and they're ba- they're like days long that they're just streaming <laughs> all day it's crazy um, but like he can do an eight hour stream podcast thing and people will listen but we don't have that kind of name record name recognition maybe one day we got we got we gotta start somewhere Tyler. that's right um, start somewhere Yes. Anyways, let's jump to Matt and uh, Tom. So in chapter 40, we get uh, some more of Matt. And so they get off of their boat at this place called Aringil. And uh, they get to stay in some, yeah, Aringil or something like that. And they get to stay in some uh, stables because there's no rooms available. And they convince the guy to let them stay in the the stable. Mm -hmm. It's like joseph and mary and little baby jesus there's no room in the end you have to stay with all the the <laughs> the animals um but anyway there's this uh so they're in there and then there's this woman that comes in to their stable and she's talking with some uh some guy and they it comes apparent that these guys are going to kill this girl and so matt being the hero that he is even though he says he's not a hero and this is one of those instances where he says one thing, but he acts a different way. Um, so in here, in here uh, on page 406, he says, I'll help anyone who can pay. Only fools in stories do something for nothing. But then he goes on to just be the hero and save this girl. Um, and then he makes an excuse about why he helped her. It's like, oh, well, you know. I can't remember. I'm actually, let me get the book and let, let me just read it. Cause it was, it was funny the way he, he like justifies it to himself essentially. 
because he says that he's not going to help people and then he goes and helps this girl oh uh, yeah so he's basically he says something like there was uh kids in the stable with the girl and he says bloody children's crying was just getting on my nerves that's all so he like he, he does the heroic thing and then he's just like oh they were just annoying me so i just did it so i could get them out of my way and it's just like come on matt like you can't just acknowledge that you just want to be a good guy like he's yeah. i think he's trying so hard to be like this edgy kind of like ooh, i'm the gambler kind of a uh, trickster kind of guy but i think deep down like max matt's a good guy um i just think it's interesting like he says one thing to himself internally but then he you know acts a completely i, I think a, i think people do that yeah, they totally do. All the time. <laughs> they say one thing and they do another. Yeah. That's that's like the human condition. <laughs> yeah. I just thought I just thought and it was a no, hilarious scene. No, no, no. I, I really appreciate you rereading that. It was making me chuckle. I was like <laughs> that. Um But he does I think he so does that at he does that same kind of situation again at another point in the book. I don't remember the specific part of it, but yeah. Yeah, I like that you picked up on that. I, I it totally like went over my head. I didn't see that at all. Um, yeah. But yeah, the reward for rescuing Aludra the Illuminator is that he gets um he gets fireworks. He does. And Tom and uh and he's get, a little irresponsible like he's a little irresponsible uh, with the fireworks. Yeah. Cause he's like opening them. She's like, don't open them. He opens yeah. them and, um, and, but he knows he's got to keep them dry so that they will work in the future. Cause if they yes. get wet, they will not work. Yes. Yes. Um, yeah. So that's Matt and Tom's little, uh, cut back to their little story. Um, then we jump back to, uh, Perrin and Moiraine and basically they're just traveling and this is where Zareen slash fail however you say her name uh does her hunter's oath that she's going to follow them because before she was just kind of along for the ride she just kind of like jumped on the boat and didn't make an oath and now she's like officially saying i will follow you um this kind of thing um uh let's see what else I feel like there's not like a lot of interesting stuff that happens like in the interim they're just kind of like making their way and there's like a few you know things there's some relationship building between like yeah parent and zareen um because mm-hmm. they're like i think she kind of becomes a little bit of a love interest for him um towards the end especially uh whenever she gets into uh some peril and parent is like determined to save her life um mm-hmm. but we'll get there in a second um, there's some gray men that parent senses and he fights them off. Um, dark hounds parent. Yeah. Which I, I didn't really understand. So Moraine goes off by herself and then they find the dark hound track on, um, only on stone. They leave marks on stone and they don't like rain. I think. Hmm. Um, and so Lan goes after Moraine to tell her about the Dark Hounds and I, I forget I think they're invisible is that right yes Can I you think you are correct 
Um, and um, and I think Perrin can see them with his wolf sense. Mm. Something like that. I don't know. I'm a bit fuzzy on the details. Um, yeah. And Matt plays yeah, with fireworks. That's, yeah. That's where him and Tom are traveling and he's playing with them in the, um, like by the fireside. Yeah. I can't, there's, there's not a lot of, uh, things. The dark Hound was interesting and they kind of just give you a little lore on it, but it was like the one chapter out of yeah. like all these chapters. It's just yeah. like, boom, there's another like, like yeah. thing that happens in this world. Yeah. Um, I don't think there was a lot of like impactful stuff happening until the very end of the book. It was just kind of just like, we need things to happen until they can get to tier. And Robert Jordan was just kind of like filling in like different scenarios because um, like they do have like dark friends that are trying to get them. um, Cause the, the Perrin and Matt are Taverin. So I think there's some way that uh, Baelzaman or the dark one can like sense where they are um and so that they're able to like get tracked in some way um so they're always kind of in danger yeah. of the dark friends dark hounds the merge all you know all of these kind of minions of the dark one are kind of always after they're after all of the Taverin characters and so and all of our three little subplots are um people who are Taverin, so Perrin and Matt and then Matt and then Ran is off by himself. I do. Yeah. I mentioned this in, in the other podcast, but I do still wish we got a few more scenes with Rand just seeing what he was doing. Um, would have been nice to see a little bit more of him, but I understand having the, the books refocus on some of the other characters a little bit more though. Mm-hmm. So I think the next big place that Matt and Tom get to is they get to Camelin. Yep. And then we kind of reviewed this at the beginning. Uh, yeah. We talked about how Matt delivers the uh, the letter and then he finds about the plot of Gabriel. And so he's going to uh, race back to Tyr with Tom. And they I think they end up also catching a boat. Yeah. Um, a lot of boats in this ep- this book. Yep, there are lots of boats, lots of people taking boats. But yeah, that's um, that's the next. That's where a lot of information drops. That you learn that Gabriel's behind this plot. Morgaze is not fully in charge of her kingdom. She's also kicked out the Aes Sedai because Elaine wasn't there when she went to the White Tower, and so yeah. her um, her Red Aja um, advisor is no longer part of Camelin's council. Um, yep. And then, so that gets, you know, Matt traveling from Camelin. Now he's going to tier two. Yeah. And then I think we get um, Nynaeve, Egwene, and Elaine. They're going to arrive in tier and they're going to um, find their, um, their wise woman. So they get off, so they've been sick on the boat and they've been like, having seasickness and they're like yeah (laughs) and so um they they just hate and like the boatmaster like wants them off the boat like really he's like we're we're you know we're landing now and they're like oh we'll get off your boat so they go and and at this point in the book that Nynaeve 
and Egwene are not seeing eye to eye on stuff. And um, Elaine is like, you guys need to like figure this out because they're just like at each other's throats about every decision that's being made. Um, And so they go and they find um, a person to take care of the seasickness. And then uh, this woman, let's see. His name oh, I forget is her name. Isle Huin. It's A I L H U I N. Um. Yeah, I can't remember how it's pronounced in the book. Isle Huin. So her and Nynaeve get into it. It's really funny, like the exchange in the book. Because they're like, both they're both wisdoms essentially. So. Yeah. They have like a and mutual understanding. Like, what do you do with a broken head? Or like, yeah. how do you put a man to grown man to sleep? Like, and then you crack the bitter roots, and then you it's like a battle of wits. Stew, but yeah, it's just really funny. So they end up like um, talking to her, and then like she hooks them up with a thief catcher. Excuse me. Um, who is going to hunt the black Aja for them? Yep. And they're going to stay there because they're worried about if they stay in an inn that the Black Aja would um, find them, figure yeah. it out, and find them. So um, that actually is a really good turn of events for them. A um, little convenient, but and, yeah. Yep. And then I think that's when, then after that, um, Matt and Tom arrive in tier and this is where they know that they're trying to find um the three um the three women training yeah yeah the three women and um matt is going from place to place and he starts going to every bar that he comes to every single one and he's exhausted and tom is like at the end of the night like the sun is like coming up and He's like, okay, come on, like we should go back. And Matt's like, we should go into one more. And they had like skipped a bunch of bars. And Matt was like, he just walked into quote unquote a random bar. And so his luck comes back into play. And he's learning that his luck only deals with randomness. Um, Like he can't use what we would call an algorithm. If I look inside every single bar at every single place, I will find what I'm looking for. For Matt, yep. he's just like, oh, I should check that place out and that place out and kind of do it at random and he will get lucky and find what he's looking for. So, um, Komar's in there. Hutz Gabriel's man who was sent to like hunt um, the three women. Yep. And Matt confronts him and Matt kills him. He's He's got like weighted dice and he's like getting his people qu- his out quarter of house staff. Oh, I was talking about Komar, the uh, the henchman. He's got weighted dice. And he's oh, Komar has laughing. weighted dice. Oh, because he's cheating. Yes, right. Yeah, he was, he was cheating. And then Matt's luck is like, he throws all the crowns. Um, yeah. And then he's like, Komar, you better get out of here. He's like, how do you know my name? And then they fight. And Matt ends up killing him. Um, and then, then Perrin, we, Perrin and Moraine alive in tier. So now everybody's in tier. And uh, Perrin goes and works for the blacksmith for a bit because he just wants to, he just needs to think and bang on some, some metal. 
mm-hmm. just to like. I think that's his happy place. Yeah, <laughs> that's where he goes to just process all the things that is that's been happening to him over the past. What's it been since the beginning of the story? Like two years or something? Since the beginning of the. Of, uh, oh yeah, I have no idea. I just know it's like. How many thousands of pages <laughs> through the books are we? It's true. Probably not. Not are, that many. Have, have we hit two? Haven't hit two thousand. Definitely uh, over a thousand pages. Yeah, we're over a thousand for sure. We. I don't think we've hit two thousand <laughs> yet. Yeah. But after oh, this, I guess after book, book after four. book four, we will because book four is a, is almost a thousand pages. Uh, By at itself, in, at least yeah. in my paperback version. Yeah. So. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so he goes and. Uh, does some blacksmithing and stuff. Um, yeah, there was an interesting um, story here uh, with Moraine talking to, uh, I think it's Loyal, and she, uh, so Moraine finds out that Bilal, who's one of the Forsaken, I think, is in tier, and I think he's the one who's setting the trap for he's in like league with the black Aja, I think. And he's the one setting mm-hmm. the trap for Rand because they're trying to get, uh, cause they want to have, they want to have Kalendor and not have Rand have Kalendor. And so that's, that's the whole trap that's being set up. And so Moraine, uh, figures this out and she asks, uh, loyal, I think about who Bilal was. And there was this interesting line where Loyal says he was called the envious, that he forsook the light because he envied Luz Theron. Um, and I thought that was like an interesting parallel to the story of Lucifer, who was a fallen angel. And Lucifer is, of course, Satan. And But at, at one point, Lucifer was uh, an angel and he uh, envied the power of God and he wanted to be like God. And so he... Uh, left essentially and he thought he was he rebelled and he left Um, and so I thought that was that was kind of a similar kind of storyline to the biblical narrative Um, it's also similar in in Lord of the Rings where uh, Morgoth was one of the uh, I think I'm not going to get this correct all of you Tolkien people who know more the Tolkien than me but I believe Morgoth was a Valar and he uh, uh, rebelled against the creator Iluvatar and wanted to be, he wanted to create his own, his own beings um, because the power of creation was only given to certain people. And uh, so, yeah, something along those lines where like basically like envying the power of other people. And so leaving uh, the person who was, uh, the God figure and rebelling and trying oh. to be your own little God essentially uh, is the basic storyline for uh, this story here. And then the biblical narrative as well. So just thought that was interesting parallel yeah, that I saw. That's a good... mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and I can't, I feel like it was some other, not the Bible where there was this interesting thing about, Maybe it was uh oh what's that Kevin Smith movie um, Dogma where um, Never the angels it. were uh, upset because um, 
people had choices. So like the angels like were to serve God and that yeah. was like their their duty in life. And then, yeah, I think it's Ben Affleck who goes off and like says how, you know, he loved humans so much that he gave them free will and they get to choose what they want to do with themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I just think that that's interesting that you know angels don't have the choice to serve god and yet we do but that's also how we get into heaven and hell do we choose to serve god or do we not choose to serve god and do we follow christ um and then two things are just coming to mind from james it was like one so we have to be careful about this tyler one (laughs) it says don't don't be in a rush to be a teacher of religion because if you are a teacher of religion, then you are held to a higher standard. Um, right. I think we talked about this in another podcast. Yeah, maybe. Um, and then, oh, if I remember the other one, um, it'll come to me, I think. Uh, there's another James in there that I was thinking about. But I digress. Um, where were we? We were talking about... Um, um. Parent? Yeah, so yeah, Perrin and Moraine are in tier now. And uh I don't think I'm trying to remember. Um basically everything is converging and they figure out uh through the um the Teleran Teleran Riyadh uh <laughs> correct pronunciation. <laughs> you got it. Um the uh they basically figure out where the sword is and where Rand's going to be and so they know where they need to go um but before that happens the uh the thief is it the thief catcher he basically like mm-hmm. betrays them and uh the black aja come and they capture Elaine uh Nynaeve and Egwene and so they are taken to the uh like the castle or the Stone fortification of Tyr yeah. Oh yeah, the, the stone oh. of tear, right? Is that what it was called? Yeah, and let's just take a quick second to remember um, when they first like came up on their ship, uh, how they described it. They said that it's like this huge, like fortress style building, or, and it and it's like enormous, like it's yeah. like so huge, and there is no seams, there's no mortar, like it was conjured with the one power like out of the earth and out of the stones and it like summoned like stones from like different parts of the world with their air magic and then like it brought it here and there was like i just think you know as a as a maker like as someone who likes to make things and like i've done house repairs and stuff you know i look at something and i'm like how is that put together like why can't i see the seams or like I know that there's seams somewhere and they're hiding, but just to have a structure that is all stone that was like formed to like be this perfect place. I thought that was just like an incredible like idea and concept, like making this like huge fortress. um, And then it's like, there are no weak points in it. It just seems like it was always there because how else could you have made it besides the one power? Yeah. I was just looking up, uh, I put in images, uh, Stone of Tear, Wheel of Time, mm-hmm. 
I was just looking at a fan art kind of thing of it. it looks interesting. Not not sure how canon it is, but it does just look like a big slab of stone, essentially. Uh, mm -hmm. Very interesting design. Um, yeah, so that's where they're going, essentially, and that's where uh, everybody is converging. And um, so after they get captured, uh, so y you mentioned that the the girls were really sick, so that's why they went to a healer from being seasick. Um, Matt or Tom is also sick. I can't remember why he's sick. Um, he it started on the boat, and then yeah, they were been out sick in for the rain all night. Right, and then that like really put him over the top. He's like coughing and coughing. But basically, Matt takes Tom to the same healer slash wisdom person that all of the girls were just with, and she tells Matt about the three girls who were captured and taken into the stone. And so that how, that's how Matt figures out uh, where the girls are, which is great for him because now that's the whole purpose that he went there was to save them. So now he knows exactly where he needs to go. And so he's like, uh, he basically like at the nighttime, he's like, uh, what's it called? Like when a thief like looks, oh, there's like a specific word of when a thief like peruses a location to see like how they're going to enter it essentially. Uh, oh, he cases the place. Right. That's that. That's it. That's it. Yes. So he's basically casing the place. I, I thought you were like going to say parkour. Parkour. Because like that. That's just like what I hear. Like he's like Assassin's Creed, like on the top of the rooftops. Yeah. Like maybe parkour. Maybe the like, idea are more like the Assassin's Creed people. Yeah. Yeah. They definitely are yeah. more than Matt. But uh, yeah, I just see them like he's like how many blasted people or bloody people are on the rooftops tonight. Because it was like, it was like the Aiel, it was like the thief catcher, like everyone was out on the rooftops uh -huh. making their way to the Stone of Tear. Yeah, and basically Matt, he has, he still has his fireworks, or some of them at least, from, mm -hmm. I don't remember the girl's name anymore that we talked about previously. but Aludra. Uh, yeah, so he has his fireworks, and basically his plan is that he's going to use the fireworks to make some kind of distraction, that way he can get... Um, into the stone he's going to climb the wall i think was his plan which mm -hmm. isn't a great plan but matt does have his his dark one luck so it's probably going to go although if he's planning it too much if it's based on randomness he's might not go so well for him but uh and, and there was also just uh just real quick in his luck when he first landed in the uh in tier he said that he saw the healer's hut in a flash of lightning like while he was looking in the direction he's like how much more random could you get than like where lightning flashes and like right so again like we're still learning about matt's luck and how it functions um yeah and sorry continue <laughs> no yeah it's good uh basically i was just gonna say like he has this plan but then he meets uh this other character he meet well he meets some of the aiel and they're like I can't remember like the conversation that they have, but basically the Aiel are there because they figured out that the women are being held and the Aiel uh, want to save the women because they helped their other brethren earlier in the story. Mm -hmm. And so the Aiel are there to help them escape. And there's, um, is it the thief catcher? I think it's the thief catcher that sees that meets with Matt, even though he betrayed the women, he, 
like regrets that but basically and he wants to help matt get in to save them essentially is what happens right yeah and i think that he was almost forced to by the eyes to die i think leandra right. had like used her one power on him to get him to kind yeah. of confess to some you know to who hired him or whatever yeah um and so yeah he's feeling guilty and like all three of them are on the rooftops at the same time it's like him uh it's Matt, and then he's getting caught by the Aiel, and then the thief catcher comes, and he's all. They're also cat. He's also like surrounded by the Aiel. Yep. Um, and then so it's just Matt and the thief catcher, and I think that's when um, they're gonna go into the stone. Yeah, because the thief and, catcher has some like secret passageway that he could get into. Um, mm-hmm. So Matt doesn't have to do his crazy firework distraction, climb the wall tactic, which may <laughs> may or may not work very well. Um, so we have uh, basically Matt and the the thief thief catcher. His name's Sandar. They are gonna break into the stone, and Matt needs Sandar because Sandar knows the layout of the stone. I believe is how he convinces Matt yeah, to like let right. him help. Because Matt's kind of like, I don't really know if I trust you or not. It might be not, but I think Matt like he knows that he doesn't know where he's going when he gets in there so um he needs like some kind of guide and sandar because he's trying to like make amends for betraying the girls he wants to help uh essentially and so um basically they're going to use the fireworks they're going to create a they're going to basically blow a hole in part of the wall and they're going to get in that way and then from there they're going to make their way down into the dungeons is that correct understanding of what's happening here yeah i think that's pretty close i think that matt intends it to be a distraction like the fireworks and then the fireworks are so powerful that he's just like he makes a doorway into there and he's got to fight through like the the guards and the defenders and stuff so i don't think his intention is to make a hole but he does (laughs) and then that's the way that they get in well our plans usually don't go the way they you wait the way you completely expect them to go. So it, it gets the job done either way, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So they get in and then um, we actually need to double back because we forgot something about uh, in chapter 53 flow of the spirit um, because we have um, Zareen slash Fail. Fail. Mm-hmm. Uh, she triggers some kind of Teliranriad trap, which was meant for Moiraine, I think. Correct? Or was it meant? No, it was meant for Perrin, I think, because she went into no, Perrin's. I think room. it was. No, it was. No, meant for I Moraine. think it was. It was meant for Moiraine, oh, yeah. and yeah. she, and she would have been caught off guard. And basically, it it sends the person who triggers the trap into like a deep trance, and yeah. um, they're in Teliranriad. Yeah. Um, but they are like unable to rescue themselves. Yeah. And so Perrin finds her like basically just laying on the floor asleep essentially. And so because Perrin has the wolf dream and uh, so he's able to enter kind of this dream world as well. And basically his goal is to find her and have her, to get her out of the dream world so that she uh, comes back to the physical world. Um, and so loyal is going to decide to 
defend Perrin while he is in the dream world. So basically imagine them like Zareen is on the floor sleeping and then Perrin's going to like go lay on the bed and then also go into the dream world. And then you just have loyal in the front of the door, like watching <laughs> like these two people just laying on the floor in this dream world. It's <laughs> yeah. just like a funny scene. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so, yeah, Perrin like, uh, finds Fael like pretty much yeah. like right away. And he breaks the chains that's holding her down. And then she like disintegrates and evaporates and, He's like, no, and then he's yeah, like, he tries. To, he Hopper. has to try a few different times to get her out. <clears throat> yeah, so he, I think Hopper is being his spirit guide here, because like until yeah. I ran Riot, it's like um, not only things that are, but I think it's also like past things and future things as well. So like yeah. Hopper died, but um, he's a dead thing. So, but he's there, yeah. and then, and I think Egwene has some like readings in there where she's like keeping up with yes um when she's not with parents she's thinking about him and how he has the falcon and how he's like finding the aielman in a cage yep. so Egwene is like reading things through tell i ren riad which is yep. not like men's predictions but she's getting like similar results like she's seeing the falcon thing she's seeing the aiel aiel yep. in the cage um so yeah, Tel Iran Riyadh is an interesting place. There's lots, lots of things going on there. Yeah, and throughout the book, Egwene gets these dreams, and it's interesting because she gets these dreams, and then you can basically like check in on the, like what are, what the other characters are doing because the things that she sees are things that are either are currently happening to those characters or things that will happen to those characters later on in the book, and so it was interesting to like read her dream that she has about the characters and then you read parts of the book and you're like, Oh, that was the exact same thing that Egwene dreamed about. Um, so it's just interesting there to see the, you get the payoff immediately in the story of what she was dreaming, uh, to what the characters are doing. So that was cool. Um, yeah. And so I think that takes us to them being trapped right in, um, yeah, Egwene in the stone of the women. Yeah. Mm hmm. So the Black Aja have captured them at the at the herb hut and they've imprisoned um, these three again. And for some reason, Elaine still has her. Um, is it not Sangrial? It's. Um, is it the uh, Ta Angrial? Ta Angrial. Um, yes, and so it allows her to enter Telirenriad. And she goes and she finds Amiko, who is their jailer, the Black Aja jailer at the time. She apparently the thirteen uh, Aes Sedai wove, you know, their spells around the three women so that they couldn't tr touch the true source. That way, that's how they've been in prison. Because yep. if they had the ability to touch the one source, they could break out. Um, yep. So Elaine. Uh, goes into Teleranriad and she basically puts a whooping yep. um, on Amiko and like um, and 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 so she Amiko's like right outside the cell and Matt finds her. This is after he's broken in and she's go she's like sitting in the chair and, and he's like looking at her like very strangely. He's like doesn't understand what she's doing and she's like help she, she's me. trapped in a dream. 
So she's yeah. Egwene, she's Egwene basically did to her to Amiko what the trap did to Fail. It's kind of a similar thing. Like they're both trapped in like this dream world. Mm-hmm. It's like Inception. Yep. They went too far in the dream and they can't get out. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so Matt, after he sees Amiko, he's just like, oh, okay. And he goes and he's like, opens the door and then there they are, uh, the three women. Yep. And, uh, and Matt, I think Matt is justified in saying like, why are you guys so upset when I'm like here to rescue you? I like, I've like hopped on a ship, like driven across the, you know, boated across the country, broke into this building, fought through a bunch of people. And now you're all mad at me for like, yeah. Like getting you out of this fix that you're in. <laughs> uh, and uh, like totally the wrong, but also on the other end of it, like they've been whipped and abused. They, it sounds like, you know, yeah. they've been really hurt by the black Aja. Yep. So I think they're kind of like cornered animals at this point. They're like in their cage and they're like anything yep. that comes through the door. They're like, yeah. um, and then they even like put Matt in in jelly they like i think that's the description where they like scoop him up with like wind energy and like hold him and then he's like says later in in the chapter he's like well i know where they'll be wherever there's men floating in the sky that's where you'll find these three um and so he's all upset and then they're like yeah i guess you're right we shouldn't be upset with you for breaking us out of here and then they just like come out and someone punches the black Aja just like laser out (laughs) yeah Nynaeve does that of course yeah and they need to do that so that they can break the shield that's blocking their access to the one source to the whatever and then and then yeah and then Nynaeve um heals them when she gets her yes her um her power back yep and that basically concludes the a the Egwene Nynaeve Elaine storyline. Um, and then the last part is Rand's final confrontation with uh, Pale Zaman, the Forsaken, and the Forsaken, the Al-Zaman, yeah. Um, and yeah, basically, there's like a confrontation. Moraine is actually there as well. So Rand is there, and then Moraine shows up. Um, so there's, like, I feel like at the end of all of these books, there's, like, this final confrontation, and sometimes it's a little bit confusing of all of the things that are happening around this final confrontation. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know, do you get the same impression where there's, like, a because there's something where like, yeah. he, he enters like a dream world and he fights in the dream world and then that affects things that happen in the physical world. So it's just... Yeah, it's always very confusing. Like yeah. in the last book, he was like up in the sky fighting like Bialzaman yeah. in the clouds. And the first book, he's like teleported to like yes. a different plane of existence and then they fight and then he comes yeah. back. And like here, like you're learning about so first Bilal comes out and he's like taunting Rand and um, trying to get him to pick up the sword. And Rand, I think, forms his own sword. Um, 
I forget if he forms his own sword, but we've seen Ran make a sword out of light earlier, uh, where he takes out. He does. He does grab mm. the sword. Mm-hmm. Um, is that before Kalendor, or does um, he just grab Kalendor? So, Bilal is like taunting him, and then Moraine arrives, and then she uses the bale fire to like wipe Bilal out, essentially. And so then mm-hmm. Baelzamon shows up. So now Rand is fighting Baelzamon again for the third time. Um, and hey, this it's is book three. He's got to be fighting him for the third time. And then this is when he takes the sword, and mm-hmm. uh, he goes after Baelzamon. But they go into Talai Ranriad to fight. So they're fighting in like the this dream world. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's. I'm reading a little bit of this. I copy and pasted a summary in here because it's it's hard to keep track of all the storylines in your head and all the stuff that's happening because these books are so big and they have lots of interconnecting stories and plots and stuff. So, uh, basically, uh, and there's also like Baelzaman is also Ishmael, and it's not so, and it refers to him like him in a different name. So keeping remembering that. Ishmael is also Baalzaman. That's another level of like keeping everything straight in your head. Um, mm-hmm. But basically, he uh, they fight, and I, I'm just gonna read this because I don't really remember this part of the story, if I'm being honest. But this is what the summary says. It says Rand chops chops Ishmael's black wires and runs Kalandor the sword through his chest. So I can't remember what the black wires meant was that like i think they're like tethers to the dark energy like right um like and i think that was also in book one like there was like a tether of black was it like his from bialzaman was it like his connection to the true source the male side of the true source and And so like does he basically cut him off of the true source and is able to kill Mm -hmm. him that way And, and he's able to cut him down yeah and also, I just want to pause and go back to when, like, Rand grabs Kalendor and, like, so it's this Sangreal, so it allows Rand yes. to channel more energy than he's ever, like, channeled before. Yep. And it's, like, surging through his body and he feels like he's going to burn up and then it's, like, focused in the sword and it's, like... yeah. Robert Jordan's like, it was like running along a razor, like death on either side, but in the middle there was some hope that he would survive, like channeling all this energy. And that's yeah. when they're like running through the different realities, like into Tel Iran. <laughs> like, it was just like a crazy, descri- like, yeah, you're, you're right. That was it. You made another good observation, Tyler, with just like, Whenever he's fighting Bialzaman, like things are going crazy, like in yes. reality, like he's, he's like flying around like different realities, and like he yeah. doesn't know how he's doing it. All he knows is he's got to kill Bialzaman. Yeah. Um, well, maybe that just that in general just speaks to like the supernatural, like, like this this battle is not just a physical battle, like it is, um, like spiritual. Spiritual. It's, um, you know, there's a level of power beyond just your physical prowess. So you're using the this magical energy and maybe that just kind of speaks to like like the battle themselves is complex because you know, the way that um like just like everything about the story is complex. 
And so like (laughs) unraveling all of like the layers of like who Rand is fighting and who he's actually defeating is kind of just crazy because this is, this is the revelation at the end of the book is that Egwene figures out that Baelzaman was just Ishmael and not the dark one himself. And so this whole time Rand thought that he was fighting the dark one. So in book one, two and three, he fights Baelzaman thinking that Baelzaman is the dark one, but that's not actually the case because Baelzaman is just Ishmael who was a forsaken essentially. And so that, so Rand is now like oh. this whole time I've just been fighting one of the forsaken, just one of the forsaken. And there's a bunch of them and I'm not actually fighting the true person who I need to be fighting and defeating. Um, so oh. that just adds like another layer of complexity of like, I didn't even realize that either. I thought that he like, I kind of, I, I feel like I kind of guessed that, uh, Bialzaman was like maybe possessing like these different like quote unquote vessels as he sure. like like he would jump into them and then Rand would fight him and defeat him and he would be injured yeah. but like his his source his soul would remain intact to fight the dragon again so I, yeah. I guess I didn't realize that this guy was kind of the same guy from the three books that's what it sounded like you were saying now it's kind yeah of it like, is I did. I did not pick that up at all. Yeah. Um, well, there you go. That's the revelation at the end is that well, well, I feel Baal's, revealed to. That's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so Baelzaman is Ishmael and uh, not actually the dark one himself. And then Moraine is talking about at the end, naming some of the other forsaken. So we have Lanfear, this guy named Raven, we have Samel, Pa. Um, there's a bunch of other Forsaken. And then there's, at the very end, we have uh, this guy, his name is Barrelane, and he arrives with a note which is from Lanfear, who is one of the Forsaken. And basically, she just says that Luz Theron uh, was mine, he is mine, and he will be mine forever. So, speaks to like the the reincarnation kind of idea of he was mine in a time past. He is mine currently now, and he will be mine in all future reincarnations of Luz Theron Telamon, who was the original uh, dragon. Um, so that's just, and Rand is the dragon. So Rand is the reincarnation of Luz Theron. Um, so she's in, in uh, indirectly saying that Rand is hers. And so, Maybe that's setting up for book four of Landfear is kind of going to be the, the baddie. Now that we've been fighting Baelzaman for three books straight, it may be nice to have some other uh, villainous character. Although it's weird because like the Wheel of Time is interesting in that <clears throat> the like the villains, like Baelzaman, we're not like fighting him throughout the book. He like he shows up here and there in like he's a, he's a string puller yeah he's a string puller essentially um so it's just interesting that we don't like get uh like confrontations with Baelzaman throughout the throughout the book it's really just like the climactic endings that we really get the final battle yeah so. i felt like in the first book uh like with the dreams and stuff he was more pursuing them like he didn't right, know right cuz they were dreaming the about him 
Yeah. Like kind of consistently throughout the first book. And then like we step away from that from books like two and three. Yeah. So I don't know if that means we can kind of, this is basically the end of the story essentially. And so we can kind of jump into like book four predictions here. So I don't know if like, so for three books now we've had a final battle with Baal So do you think he's actually dead this time or is he going to, is he going to come back? I, he's got to go out at book 13. Like book 13. I don't see. <laughs> yeah. I don't, I don't think it's going to happen before the last book. Is it 13 books or is it 12? Uh, it's 14. It's 14. With, oh my with gosh. The, okay. With the prequel. So 15, I guess, technically speaking, but yeah, 14 books in the core series. Um, <laughs> yeah. So I don't know. I think he's, I think he's gone. I'm going to say Baelzaman's dead finally. So maybe, maybe a book, maybe some of the rest of the series, we're going to be fighting different Forsakens and then we're not going to get an actual final battle with the dark one until closer to the end of the series um maybe it'll just be like knocking off forsaken one by one until until there's only one left the actual dark one so i don't know we'll see Um, book four is called the shadow rising yes and i read it uh years ago and i and i just don't remember so it'll be like reading it for the first time that's right Apparently, book four is supposed to be one of the best books in the series. So, Oh, good. Yeah, so I'm looking forward to that. Um, but the unfortunate thing is after book four, supposedly, the series starts to take a little bit of a downward spiral. Um, so a lot of people say the middle books of the series are kind of hard to get through. So I don't know. We'll see. Uh, we'll see what happens when we get well, We will make our own. That's right. Our own call on that. I don't want to go in. Well, I kind of already messed myself up by like reading people's comments. About you have, <laughs> you have. And sorry, I that's messed why it up I, for you too. No, 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 I'm not. I'm just gonna not listen to you. It's all good. <laughs> um, but yeah, like that's one thing I've learned about myself when I go into a classroom with new students. Like, yeah. I don't want to know what you thought about this kid. I don't know, like. I want to work with the kid. I want to do it my way. I want to see what works and what doesn't. Because as soon as you go in with a preconceived notion, like, right. like as scientists, you're going to go to confirmation yeah. biased. Right. You're going to find those things and then you're going to exaggerate those things just to yeah. be like, yep, we knew this was going to happen. Here's here's the proof right here. Yeah. Um, and I, I try it. Even knowing about confirmation bias is hard to. Yeah, I've had many conversations about confirmation bias. Like, <laughs> I remember one time um, my wife and I we were talking about New Year's Eve, and she was like, "That's yeah, meant to be spent as a couple." And I was like, "No, it was like you're supposed to go out with all your friends and like hang out with your friends." And then so she showed me these pictures of all these people like going out as couples on New Year's Eve, and then I was I looked at her search thing and it was like uh like new year's eve's couples i was like well of course you're gonna get couples pictures if you put couples in the in the search box (laughs) (laughs) and then i searched new year's and it was like you know just a bunch of people hanging out you know so (sighs) confirmation bias if you look for it you will find it um the best the best thing to i what i try to do is i try and find three sources 
And if they all say the same thing, then that's something that you can go with. And that way it, it slows down the research process a whole bunch. Um, but sure. if you, if you're pulling up three different articles and they're all like saying the same thing, that's yeah. a good way to get at truth versus like pointing to one thing and calling it the end all be all of, right. of research. Like this right. thing said this, you know? right. Come on. Well, to be fair, it is widely, it's like a widely th- known thing in the fandom that the middle books aren't that great. So, but I don't want to try, I don't want to like go into those books and be like, Oh, I'm just looking for all the things to suck. You know, I do want to give the books a chance. And I mean, the wheel of time is like already a slow burn. It's like, I don't know like how much, like I'm already, I'm like, I'm already like <laughs> expecting that from the series. So like, I'm not, it's not like I'm going yeah. from, you know, like a super action packed book. And then all of a sudden, like one of the books is just like completely at a standstill. So, um, yeah. so like, I'm already kind of expecting this from that series but i don't know maybe those books are like even slower than these ones are so i don't know we'll just have to see what happens um but i'm still looking forward to the the next series or the the later books in the series but uh but yeah book four is supposed to be one of the one of the best in the series so that we can both look forward to that so that's going to be good um yeah for sure other books for stuff that i'm looking forward to hopefully there's more aiel stuff happening because they're sweet uh, I want some more Aiel. Uh, I think we do messing, get that. I, that messing is people up. Mm-hmm. And I'd also want to do, I want to see more uh, dream stuff happen. I want to see more Teliranrion stuff. Cause that's really mm-hmm. interesting to me. Um, and then I hope we get some more Rand POV coming back. Cause we didn't get a lot of Rand in this book. So hopefully we get to see more of him. Not that we want to abandon the other characters, because I did actually really enjoy getting to explore some of the, the like the inner thoughts of the other characters, especially Matt and Perrin, because um, we didn't really get much of them in the first two, uh, two books. So, um, yeah, their characters are really filling out, and you're like curious yeah. about them, and and like Matt the Gambler, and I like how he's like a like a trained staff guy now. He's just like Bum. yeah, he's like messing people up with that quarter staff. Yeah, and I don't know Listen, if that's like if his I, training or if it's just like the Dark One's luck power coursing through his veins. Yeah, he's unpredictable now. He can hit people with the stick. I think <laughs> I think if I would choose like a a weapon, I think quarterstaff would be pretty sweet. Like Donatello, and then there yeah. was also a guy in a Walking Dead who used the quarterstaff, and like yeah. you get the reach on it, and like feel like it would be. I think if I ever yeah. play Dungeons and Dragons again, I would. I'm gonna do the quarter staff build. I'm gonna do like a what? What are the monk? The, yeah, the monk, monk build. The monk maybe. I guess other characters okay. can use the quarter staff, can't they? Yeah, uh, yeah. If you got the strength to, or is it strength dexterity? I don't know what the probably, qualifications probably are. Probably dexterity with the quarter staff. Yeah, I would think, but I haven't played D and D in a while, so well, <laughs> maybe. I was we'll supposed get to get into it like right around Halloween, so that's this month. Oh boy, it's exciting. It should be fun. Yep. Maybe one day I'll get to play more again when I have more free time. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the search for free time! I don't. It never ends. <laughs> All right. And do you have any other book four things that you'd wanna you wanna see? Or you're looking forward to? Nope. I uh, 
I'm going to read it when we get there. And then I'll hopefully remember some stuff. <laughs> Very good. All right. Yeah, that's going to do it uh, for this episode. Um, yeah, it's been great to get back to the Wheel of Time. Uh, I'm looking forward to reading book four. And uh, yeah, so the next episode, we're going to be jumping back into the Powder Mage trilogy. We did an, we did epi- we did uh, episodes on the podcast on book one of the Powder Mage trilogy, which is called... Uh, Promise of Blood. Right, Promise of Blood. So we did two episodes on that, and then we'll also do two episodes on book two, which is called The Crimson Campaign. So we'll read to about chapter 21 is what I think where I stopped. Um, Mm -hmm. So we'll read, uh, we'll do one through 21 in the first part, and then we'll do the second half of the book in part two. And uh, yeah, so that'll be the next two episodes. And then we'll talk about what we're doing after that in uh, those episodes. And yeah, if you want to get more content from Pages of Light, you can go to our website, pagesoflight.com, or you can you know go to our YouTube channel and find other videos and such. Uh, you can also check us out on social media, different platforms, uh, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, all those good things. And uh, links for everything to like buy the book, uh, if you want to, will be in the description. And links to all those social media and stuff will be down there as well. If you enjoyed this podcast and you uh, want to help us out, you can go leave us a review on Apple Podcast, and you can also just tell a friend about the podcast. If you uh, if you like the Wheel of Time and you like discussions of fantasy science fiction books from a Christian worldview, uh, yeah, just tell a friend, and uh, hopefully we can grow the podcast and get more people in a community uh, discussing these things. So, should be fun. Gabe, any last thoughts as we uh, close out here? Um, I would say, can I, can I say the closing line? Yeah, sure. Yeah, go for it. (laughs) Thanks for listening. Remember to keep reading and share the gospel with someone this week. That's right. Share the gospel with somebody this week. All right. That's going to do it. Have a good night or morning or wherever you're listening. And we'll see you guys in the next episode. See ya.